If you will, take your Bible and turn to the scripture you see on the screen, Mark chapter 5. I told you um, the week before, two weeks before uh, Fresh Encounter, that chapter 5 contains two major stories, and it also has a story in a story. And this morning we took the major story, which was um, Jairus, and now tonight we're going to look at this lady uh, with a blood disorder. It's a story in a story, but it stands on its own. And uh, I just, everybody remember a little bit of what the scripture was this morning? If you don't remember what I said, do you remember what the scripture said this morning? It's about Jairus coming to Jesus and uh, begging Jesus to go to his house. Jesus went, and along the way, this happened. So, if you will, and you can stand to honor the reading of God's word, we'll pick up in verse 25. 25. A woman, I'll just remind you, the previous verse says Jesus went with him and a crowd was going and they were pressing against him. And then it says, a woman suffering from bleeding for 12 years had endured much under under many doctors. She had spent everything she had and was not helped at all. On the contrary, she became worse. Having heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his robe, for she said, if I can just touch his robes, I'll I'll be made well. Instantly, her flow of blood ceased, and she sensed in her body that she was cured of her affliction. At once, Jesus realized in himself that the power had gone out from him. He turned around in the crowd and said, Who touched my robe? His disciples said to him, You see the crowd pressing against you, and you say, Who touched me? So he was looking around to see who had done this. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came with fear and trembling, fell down before him and told him the whole truth. That's a good thing to tell Jesus, by the way, the whole truth. Daughter, he said to her, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be free from your affliction. And a message tonight entitled, Being Changed by Faith. Let's pray together. Father, it's my prayer that this portion of your scripture will come alive for us tonight, like you brought the scripture alive this morning. May it have personal implication and personal impact in our lives. May we see what it means to be changed by faith. And then, Lord, may we allow our lives to be changed by our faith in you. In your name I pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. I'm reminded of Romans 12.2. Romans 12.2 says something like this. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. 1 Corinthians 15 says, We may not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. Now, most people think that... That is the sign we should hang over our nursery door. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. And if you've ever been in there with some bed babies, you know what I'm talking about. 
The point of those two scriptures spiritually is this. You're going to be changed. You will be changed. In fact, you're changed whether you're living or you're changed whether you're dead. As long as you're living, the cells change in your body every day. When you die, the cells begin to decay and they change in your body. So the issue for us tonight is not, are we going to be changed? The real issue is, what in the world is going to change us? What is it that will change me? What is it that will change you? Now listen, God's got a lot of things at his disposal to change you if you want to be hard-headed. Will it be disease? Will it be disaster? Will it be death? Will it be faith? What will it be that changes you from the person you are to the person that he wants you to be? It is a sad truth to say. But many people say they believe in God and they trust in God. But in point of fact, they trust in other things. I've been trying to find this, Jerry. I have the track somewhere, and I can. But years ago, Steve Green recorded a song that, that quoted Psalm 20, where it said, Some trust in horses, some trust in chariots, but we trust in the name of our Lord. Some trust in horses, that's the might of men. Some trust in chariots, the invention of man. But we are to trust in the name of the Lord our God, and our God is a great place to place trust. I want to say that again. Our God is a great place to place trust. You see, our God, he can still turn the water into wine. He can still bring forth water from the rock. He can still part the waters for us to walk through on dry ground. And if he don't want to do that, he can still walk across the water like he did with Peter and hold us by the hand. You see, our God is still capable of doing enormous things. In fact, by the way... Those are all good things in the sight of humans. Listen, he's still capable of raining down fire and brimstone on evil. He can still open up the earth and swallow up his opponents. He can still send plagues and defeat his enemy. And he can even call his people from life prematurely if they choose to disobey him. Because you see, he's still the one that has the power. He's still the one that deserves to be trusted. He's the one that deserves our faith. This woman... We're going to take, just kind of take a look at her tonight, just kind of unpack what happened in her life. But she is one that found no hope until she found Jesus. She is the one that needed something. She is the one, in a simplistic way, that teaches us about faith. So here's what we're going to do as we unpack the story. We're just going to take a look at the lady and just kind of unpack it with three thoughts. First of all, I want you to see this woman with an issue. Don't you like that? I wrote that and I go, gosh, I can get in trouble. A woman with an issue. Now, we all know what issues are, don't you? And here's what I want to say to you. It could be a man with an issue, not with this specific issue, but men or women have issues, whether they're problems, whether they're hurts. Here's what I'm going to tell you. It is a hard thing to see anyone, male or female, suffering. I say she's a woman with issue because three words jump out at me as I read our text. The first word is the word disease. This woman had an issue and it was a disease. And it was not an easy disease. 
It was a bleeding disease. It was a blood issue. She was hemorrhaging. Quite likely, they tell us that it was a female bleeding. It had gone on for 12 years, and the ladies in this room can tell us better than the men can how bad 12 weeks of bleeding like this would, the bad state it would lead you in. Can you imagine 12 years? I'll I'll suggest this to you, that physically she was weak. Physically, she was anemic. Physically, after 12 years, she had little hope of being healed. And by the way, in this day, a disease like this affected every part of her life. It affected her friendships. Obviously, it affected if she was married. But did you know it even affected her spiritual condition because a woman in that condition was considered unclean and couldn't even attend worship? This woman had a disease, a condition. I want you to hang on to that thought. She had a disease because the second word comes to mind is the word doctors. She had endured much under many doctors. Hello? Could I get an amen? (laughs) You know what this tells me? That she sought help. And she didn't just go to her primary physician. She sought help and she got a second opinion and a third opinion. And for 12 years she had been getting opinion after opinion and opinion. And David told me today what a USO was. Did you know what a USO is? Many of us have them as an unsubstantiated opinion. She was getting all kind of opinions from all kind of doctors, and she was no better. In fact, the Bible says that after 12 years of consulting doctors, she was worse. There's a little, there's a little more frustrating, very little more frustrating than being sick and can't find out what's going on. Could I get an amen? We've had this struggle with Deborah for three years, and I think finally we've got a doctor that's given us some uh, heading us in the right direction. But I remember in 2004 and 2005, before I come here, my mom and I would talk on the phone from time to time. She said, son, your dad's getting weak. Said so he just has this little shuffle walk. Well, my dad's always been the strong man. I think I probably told you this story, but I'm just going, here's the deal. It got so bad, she called me one morning. I lived about 45 minutes to an hour away from them. She called me one morning. She said, I'm going to ambulance your dad to, to Forest General. And I said, no, you're not. They'll charge you $1,900 to come out to where y'all live. I'll be there in an hour. I got him, and I'm telling you, I've never seen my dad. Even to this day, I've never seen my dad in that week in a condition. He was on a walker two weeks ago when I had to go home and take care of him, but I, he was still not as weak as he was this day. I literally toted him to the car. We got him down to the hospital, rolled him in a wheelchair, put him up on the examining table, and if I had not caught him, he would have fallen off the table. Now, here's the frustrating part. He was consulting doctors. And the doctors in the Hattiesburg area, the ones that he was seeing, couldn't diagnose it. In fact, my sister saw over in South Carolina, she saw a commercial. You know how they do commercials with these symptoms and signs? And she said, that's my dad. And so she called, and the doctors at Hattiesburg wouldn't hear of it. But I'm going to just tell you, I'll never forget this man's name as long as I live. He's not a doctor. J. Van Gerpen. 
He was at Oshner's Hospital. I carried him down there, and, and when my sister, my mother carried what my sister suggested, he said, well, I hope that is it. The other guys wouldn't listen to her. I hope that is it. And he found that that was it. They uh, did a little procedure, and his strength began to come. Oh, he wasn't back like he was 20 years old. But there was nothing more frustrating than to have this condition and have no one to find it. And the problem for this lady was anytime they gave her a test, anytime they offered her any hope of a cure, it didn't do anything to make matters better. And for 12 years, it made them worse. Now, I want you to hang on to that thought. Now, you got the two thoughts there on the screen. She had a disease, and she'd been to the doctors. Here's the third word, destitute. You see, she had tried so hard, the Bible says, that she spent everything she had. I'll tell you, first of all, she probably must have been a woman of some means to have consulted all these doctors. The second thing I will tell you, in modern-day parlance, she exceeded the limits on her health insurance. Which when Obamacare gets here will be a dollar thirty-five. She exhausted her savings account, and now she had tried everything, and it was to no avail. Now it takes a little imagination for me to understand this concept, because we have all witnessed people who were sick and wanted to get well, and they would literally spend. Everything they have. They would sell cars. They would sell boats. They would sell golf clubs. They would sell yachts. They would sell second houses so that they could get get the best treatment possible. You know what the truth is? All our affluence, all our comfort, all our money, all our houses, all our arrogance means little if we don't have our help. And that's where this lady was. She was a lady with an issue. So let's... Put a pause button right there. And let's wrap a ribbon of application just around this part of her story. While this woman had an issue and it was a blood issue, in this room are people with issues. We have issues before God. It is a blood issue. We are afflicted with the disease of sin. And we can try everything we can. We can try clean living. We can try treating people good. We can try giving money to worthy causes. We can try attending church. We can try counseling. We can try therapy. We can try change behavior. But here's what I want to tell you. It's going to be just like that woman if we try those things. It's not going to make you better. It's going to make you worse. You know, if you try to change your behavior, you might do it for a week or two. You might do it for a month or two. But you know what? If you're going up against him, the, the worker of darkness all by yourself, pretty soon, pretty soon you're going to fall. For you see, sin has to be dealt with as a blood disease, as a cancer of the blood. And it needs to be treated with the radiation of Calvary's cross. It needs to be treated with the blood of Jesus. If you don't, you'll be just like this woman, hopeless and helpless. 
But this woman, we'll take the pause button off, this woman changes from a woman with an issue to a woman with an idea. A woman with an idea. Now, I chose, Kelly, not to make any funny parts, not to tell any funny stories about a woman with an idea, because I knew you'd have that guitar over there, and I was afraid you might use it on me. She became a woman with an idea. Think about this. She was at the end of her rope. She had tried everything man had to offer. She was no better for her effort. She was only worse. And the Bible says, watch this. Verse 27. Having heard about Jesus. You know what she did? She heard about Jesus. Don't you like that? She heard about Jesus. I have a question for you. Are you listening and have you heard about Jesus? Have you heard what Jesus can do? I mean, when I think that she'd heard about Jesus, my, my question is, what exactly have you heard? I suggest to you that she probably heard everything that we've already studied about these first five chapters. Everything that Jesus had been doing, she had heard about the exorcism. She had heard about the healing of the leper. She had heard about the healing of the paralytic man. I mean, because stories were rampant in the countryside. She had heard him and she had made a decision. She had an idea. If I can see this guy, I'll get better. So see three, see three things about her. Watch this. I want you to first of all see her. Trust. See her trust. When she heard her idea was this, he has to be the Messiah. He has to be the one God has sent. And I don't even have to see him. If only I can touch the tassel of his garment, I will be Healed. I don't, he don't even have to, I don't even have to bother him. If I could just come in contact with, with his garment... And so you know what she did? She elbowed her way through the crowd to get to Jesus. Her idea should be a stark reminder for you for whatever's going in your life, going on in your life. Should be a reminder that Jesus is your answer. He is not just the answer. He is your answer. She decided... That I'm going to trust this man. He has everything that I need. Can I ask you tonight? Do you have that kind of trust in Jesus? I mean, I, I know you come to church. But that wasn't the question. I know many of you are involved in Sunday school, but that's not the question. Some of you are involved in the choir, but that's not the question. Do you have that kind of trust in Jesus that is a trust above everything else? I can say this chair can hold me. That's what's wrong with our sound system. I can say this chair can hold me. I can say, boy, it looks sturdy. Yeah, I think it will. Yeah, I trust that chair, but I have never trusted that chair until... I put all my weight on it. By the way, if this chair won't hold me, I'm in a mess. Do you trust Jesus like that? Do you trust him enough to put your entire life, your entire future, 
your entire family, your entire friends? Do you trust him enough to put all that you have on him and count on him to not fall down and collapse under the weight of your little burden? Do you trust him that much? Well, she did. She trusted him exactly that much because she said, I'm hopeless without her, without him. I'm helpless without him. If you have that kind of faith in Jesus, I ask you, has he changed you? Has, he cha- has, has your faith in him changed you? I mean, do you have the kind of faith in him that she did? Could it be that you, that you are afraid to come in contact with Jesus? Because if you come in contact with Jesus, he's going to change you from the inside out. He's going to heal that blood disorder. He's going to heal your life. Never forget, trust is a large part of following Christ. We're not going to know Christ until we experience Christ, until we follow Him in obedience, but we're not ever going to follow Him in obedience. We're never going to experience Him because we, if we don't trust Him. Seer trust. She trusted Him with everything she had. So now, can you get the picture? The crowd is around Jesus. They're pressing in. Everybody is kind of like I saw on the, saw on the TV just a few minutes today, as the golfers were walking through the crowd, everybody was trying to touch him. Can you imagine how it was with Jesus? Everybody was trying to touch Jesus, press up. She's elbowing her way up. See her trust. She trusts him enough to fight her way to Jesus. Secondly, feel her touch. Can you imagine what it was like when she finally touched his garment? I mean, I can see this in my mind. She's elbowing away through this mob. Jesus is right there, and just as she reaches out, just before she touches him, the crowd pulls her back. So closer and closer and closer, and gets pulled back, and then finally she fights her way, and she's so determined, and she reaches out, and she just touches the tassel on his garment. And guess what? Healed. Wow, what a faith. What a moment. What a trust. Jesus says, he said it later, if you have faith the size of a watermelon, okay, a pine tree. No, if you only have faith the size of a mustard seed, you can do impossible things. He said it, and she proved it for us. What mankind had been unable to fix in those 12 years he did in a moment. It's interesting, now going back to this morning's message, it's interesting that Jairus' daughter was 12 years old. So this woman had been sick ever since that girl had been alive. And he healed both of them in the same day. She had faith enough that when she touched Jesus, she was healed. Wow, what a faith. But now, folks, please listen. And don't be confused by what you hear on TV. It's not faith in faith. It's faith in Jesus. It's only when we come to Jesus that we'll be healed. Some of your, I've heard people, particularly Baptists, say this. God is so sovereign. Jesus is so sovereign. I don't believe my faith affects his, his power and what he can do. Oh, brothers, don't miss next Sunday morning because chapter 6 of Mark constitutes what I think is the saddest chapter in the Bible. Because it says that he could not do many miracles in his hometown because of their lack of 
faith. Because of their unbelief. It was in his, in, in his presence she placed her faith. She placed her trust and her healing and her life and her future came into view. In Jesus, just by simply reaching up and touching him, life changed. Wow. Can you imagine the look on her face when she touched him and she sensed she was healed? So the last thing that I would just say to you about this woman with an idea, see her trust, feel her touch, and experience her triumph. What she had been waiting for for 12 years was there. She touched him. She was healed. 12 years of agony was over. 12 years of, of disease was over. The wait was over. Healing had come. And by the way, Jesus does nothing second rate. It was a complete healing. He healed her from the inside out. She sensed it. She knew it. She felt it. You see, folks, when we come to Jesus, it seems like our weeping has only lasted for the night because joy has come in the morning. When Jesus died, they put him in the ground that night. But there was a day coming. We remember that that video that we watched around here. It's Friday, but Sunday's coming. Because you see, the... The sin of the day, the sin of the day that brings, and the disease of the day that brings such darkness in our lives, gives way to daybreak, gives way to morning, gives way to victory. You see, folks, meeting Jesus, seeing Jesus, touching Jesus was her day of victory, and it can be your day of victory if you'll let it be. Because Jesus wants to give us the victory. How are we saved? The Bible says, by grace we are saved through, say it. By grace we are saved through. I caught you, most of you just woke up. We're going to say it one more time. By grace you are saved through. Every time I do that and I wake people up, I'm reminded of the guy that went to sleep about the second word of the sermon every week. He just went to sleep and the preacher decided that he was going to get in. So this Sunday, the guy got off to sleep, and he said, uh, everybody wants to go to hell, stand up. Nobody stood up. So he said, everybody wants to go to hell, stand up. Nobody stood up. This time he hit the pulpit, and he says, I said, everybody wants to go to hell, stand up. Well, it startled the guy, and he, all he heard when he came to was stand up. So he jumped to his feet. He looked around, and he said, preacher, I don't know what we're volunteering for, but the only people are going to do it, you and me. You see, the truth is we are saved through faith. Now, I didn't finish that by faith. And not of yourselves, lest any man should work. Because why? It is the gift of God. You see, our faith moves Jesus into action. And when our faith moves Jesus into action, He will cleanse, He will heal, He will forgive, He will save, and He will secure us if we'll follow Him and trust Him. Brother Morgan said it time and time and time again last week, and I appreciated it so deeply. God wants a close, intimate, personal, ongoing, and growing relationship with you and me. And here's what I want to say to you. It begins with faith and trust. It begins with a faith that changes you. It begins with a trust that leads you. 
If you trust someone, you don't abandon them because there's not that many people around you that you can't actually trust. The woman with an issue turned into a woman with an idea. And I'm just going to give you this last one for free. And she developed into a woman with an identity. Wow, an identity. What in the world? Well, this story takes her from being unfamiliar to unforgettable. I mean, think about the name. First of all, I've never given a name, but she began as a woman suffering from bleeding for 12 years. Wouldn't you love to be known by that? Who was it that Jesus healed? Well, it was that woman that suffered from bleeding. But you know what? That woman became, that woman had a special place in the Lord's eyes. Three things. His attention to her. His attention to her. You see, when Jesus makes a difference in a life, are you with me? When Jesus makes a difference in a life, he calls attention. And it will, his work in a life will call attention to them. When you are regenerated, all of a sudden you were walking this way and now you walk that way, people will take notice. When you're being restored, you've known Christ, but you kind of slipped away and gone your own way. And when he calls you back and when he does a work in your life, people will notice. For this woman, she who had only been introduced as a woman bleeding, Jesus drew attention. When he turned around, he said, who touched me? Who touched me? You see, Jesus wants to know the name of every person that he touches. Now, theologians who try to tear messages apart, calm down. I clearly understand in his divinity that he knows the names of every person who lived. I understand that. But this story was put here to remind us how special every person is to him. And when he heals people, he can he feels it. When he heals people, he knows it. And he looks in this crowd because all of these folks were running around touching him. And yet there was only one that was changed. I mean, in fact, he said, uh, who touched me? The disciples said, you got to be kidding. You look at this mob. Everybody touched you. And Jesus knew that there was only one touch of faith. And I believe that he wanted to look into the eyes of that person who had that much faith. Do you have that much faith? There are plenty others in the proximity of Jesus, but there was only one who touched him in faith. She's the one we remember. To those who come to Jesus in faith, he will not neglect, he will not take for granted, and he will not leave you like you were. He will respond to you. In simple terms and in human terms, When he touches you, he don't just give you attention. He shows you his affection. I mean, think about it. This woman thought Jesus didn't really want to know her. He said, I don't have to look into his eyes because he probably don't want to look at me. 
He probably don't even really care about Don't know me, but he's got the power. He's the Messiah. And if I can just touch him, everything will be okay. And so she reaches out and she touches him. And he turns around and he puts her on the spot. And what did, how does he refer to her? He calls her by one of the most intimate, caring, loving titles that you can imagine. He called her daughter. You see, he was welcoming this lady into the family of the changed, the family of the redeemed, the family of the regenerated. And when we touch Jesus, he wants to welcome us and call us daughter or son to be in that eternal family. She's still afraid. And she came and she told him everything. And he said, daughter, now watch this. He moves from affection to affirmation. He says, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be free from your sickness, your affliction. You see, actually, it is for, he's affirming her faith. He's clear to her, it's your faith that made you well. Other folks touched me. Other folks were around me. Other folks are, are in the proximity of me, but you're the only one that came in faith. So I have a question for you. Hueytown Church, what does it say about our faith? Do we have enough faith to trust Him? Do we have the faith that she had and believe and trust that Jesus can do for us what no one else can. He can make us whole. He can make us complete. He can redeem us. He can walk with us. He can show us His will and His way. And then He affirmed to her what it took to be a part of the redeemed. He said, hey, go in peace and be free from your suffering. Can you imagine what those words were like? In the woman, in the ears of that woman who had been hurting for so long. Could that have been like a love song to her? Could it have been something that she really needed to hear? She she was changed by her faith. Watch this, and we're done. She was changed by her faith from sick and suffering. To healed and free. John writes, He who the Son sets free is free indeed. What's the message for us? Here it is. Every person outside of Christ, every person who's not walking, I'm not just talking about church members, I'm talking about every person who does not walk with Christ every day. It's not... You can't walk with somebody when you don't spend time with them. Every person will experience the suffering and sickness of sin. And outside of Christ, this suffering is terminal, if not treated. It requires a blood transfusion. The blood from the crimson flood that flows by Calvary. It comes to us by faith. It ignites our spirit with a renewal and a refreshment. 
that can only come from our Lord himself. Do you need refreshing? Do you need a renewal? Do you need to be changed by your faith? Then what kind of faith do you have? The Bible speaks of many kinds of faith. The Bible says there are some who have faith. There's some who have little faith. There's some who have more faith. There are some who have much faith. And there are some who lack faith. Have you been changed by your faith? Have you touched the hem of his garment in faith? Has he changed you from the inside out? Let's pray together.